all wanted a conclusion, some closure to this Brian Ferentz's situation during the offseason. And this is the conclusion we got. This is what we got. So I don't know if Corey and I can deliver in one hour all of the angles, or maybe it can be summed up in one or two statements, depending on how you look at it. But here we are, Hawkeyes Live here at the Voice of College Football. We come your way every Tuesday at uh, 5.30 Eastern, 4.30 where it counts. And, of course, we've got a show here only because of this guy, Corey Bratta from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Corey, how are you? I'm good, Mark. And before we get into this, I'm, we're, you and I are both going to get ripped later because this has turned into the Brian Ferentz show. But what you know, what else are we supposed to talk about? One day removed from <laughs> the uh, press release that came down from the Iowa Athletic Department. We could do this one of these days. And, and you certainly, more so than I, have gone off on this positive tangent a number of times. Maybe we should dedicate one show to Phil Parker and we will just... Yeah. yeah, let's do. I mean, we, we need we certainly do that, and we can even do the same thing for Lavar Woods because, as, and I talked about that in my segment yesterday regarding Brian Ferentz and how productive those two counter units are. And I'm talking about special teams and defense. I mean, just look at have you thought about Iowa's recent place kickers, Mark? Like, I don't think there's probably ever, and I and I would venture to say even going back into the Forrest Ebeshevsky, Hayden Fry years my guess is we've never had a stretch of kickers that were this good that'd be a great research project and i'm sure it'd be difficult to find those numbers but you're talking back to back to back to back mark miguel racinos keith duncan caleb shudak drew stevens uh these guys are elite field goal kickers place kickers uh Really good on kickoffs, too. That's part of field position. And certainly, as you said, I mean, Phil Parker's defenses have been uh, incredible since he took over, really. Um, you know, I think maybe the down year being 2014. Um, but I think numbers-wise, it would – I haven't looked at the numbers from 2014, but, you know, when you compare them to what a down year for Iowa, the Iowa offense is, obviously completely different ballparks. And speaking of ballparks, before we get into – Brian Ferentz situation, Mark. Do we want to talk about Iowa Northwestern at Wrigley? Because that is an exciting announcement. I love football games being played in baseball stadiums. Now, if this was a regular occurrence and every game was played in a baseball stadium, that wouldn't take away the the novelty of it. So I'm I'm not for that to that extreme. But I, I think as a novelty item, I think it's very interesting. I enjoy it. I'm an old, 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 old baseball fan. Uh, from my childhood. So I appreciate uh, it's just, I find it intriguing, interesting. And I'm usually so focused on what's happening on the playing field um, that I don't get into all these. You, you've probably noticed this about me, Corey, anytime there's some frivolity talked about in regards to we're going to do this college game day is going to be I don't care about those things. I, I care about when they kick off until the final. But this is an exception. This is an exception. I, I do enjoy uh, the bowl games that are played, for example, at Fenway Park. And there's one at Petco Park in San Diego. The only thing I want to make sure of, con considering this particular um, venue uh, which has been used in the past, and, and it used to be used for Chicago Bears games back in the 1960s, but used uh, in the recent past with uh, Northwestern Illinois in particular, is that they have worked out the configuration of the end zone. Do you do you know where I'm going with this? Uh, no, you're you're going to have to explain. I have I, I was curious on how that's done because I've never been to one of these games. They had the the field in such a way configured in this stadium and we're not talking about in 1959 i'm talking about in the last 10 years where the one end zone ran right into the wall the corner of the end zone was okay it, it was dangerous it was dangerous it was strange and to look at but it was also dangerous and they also had a rule in the game where all the kickoffs were directed toward the other end of the field 2004, correct? It was only one time, 2004. Was it, has it been that long? Wow. I think so. I could be wrong on that. But I do <laughs> know what time flies about. for me. I said the last five or 10 years. Yeah, I, I think it, I, 
that's yeah, 19 years ago. I, I think that's the case. I could be wrong on that. Okay. Um, so you're a big fan of the pinstripe bowl, football on yes. ice. Yeah. <laughs> As a novelty. Yes, yeah, I am. Novelty. Okay. Um, and it's, what's weird is I don't think I've watched the pinstripe, I don't think I had watched the pinstripe bowl since 2017 until I watched it this year with Minnesota and they were having the same exact problem that Iowa and Boston college were having in 2017. So it's like, they understand it's going to be an ice rink, but we're still going to play the game the way we play the game. Because <laughs> so, there are other factors that involve money that are more important to right. television networks and sponsorships. So I'm yep. assuming it would be difficult to, I mean, I don't know what's involved in laying out a football field for the pinstripe bowl per se, but how do you, would it not be feasible to add some heaters or something that could keep, I mean, keep the ground warm? Is that a dumb, a dumb idea? You would think in this day and age, absolutely. Back in 1966 for the NFL championship game at Lambeau Field, they apparently had the technology at that point to keep the field warm enough for the game the next day. But there's a conspiracy theory that Vince Lombardi wanted the field to be a sheet of ice because he had the less athletic team and therefore the tarp ripped in the middle of the night and the, the, the field froze over. But even in 1966, they were capable to some extent to keep the field warm enough uh, so that it, it did not become a skating rink. So uh, if I'm jogging my own memory correctly, Illinois played Northwestern at Wrigley or do they play at soldier? What, what am I thinking of? They, they, no, there was they, a game at there was at least one game at Wrigley Field. I'm sure okay. this can be because I, I'm just the reason I ask that it's always last game, right? It's a rivalry weekend. It's always yes. last game of the season, so it's going to be deep into November. This game is going to be early November, but I just wondered if they've had issues similar to what we've experienced at the Pinstripe Bowl with uh, with footing. Uh, this will be according to something posted just here in the last few hours by the Associated Press. This is the third game played since uh, and i can't find the date anyway this is the third time since 2010 this is the third football game so there have been two games i can't find the dates but since 2010 there have been two other games played man you would just think that maybe it would be better to have that game earlier in the season right than not in november now i could be wrong on that um but i what does that have to do with it what am i missing well, you might not be. Maybe I'm missing something. But uh, what's the root of the problem at Yankee Stadium with the field freezing over? Well, I, I guess they construct baseball fields differently than football fields would, would I mean. be the issue. Yeah. My, my logistical question is, is that going to be the same case at Wrigley? I would guess that the issue is in covering the dirt for the infield in particular and then having it be congruent to the rest of the field they probably dig all of it up and maybe lay a completely different field yeah so that that's uh <clears throat> that that will be interesting I, i'll go back and do some research because i don't believe i watched any of those games I, I usually don't make a habit of watching northwestern illinois mark <laughs> to be quite frank i'm sure you probably do um you, you think and, i do on rivalry well, weekend i would watch hey if it was on a thursday night at another time absolutely i'm watching i'm watching any big 10 game yeah there there's there are other games going on that draw 18 million viewers but uh right so anyways that, that i mean it's exciting um i i somebody already asked me a friend of mine uh down in the iowa city area asked me if i was gonna go to the game wanted to go to the game and I would love to. I did see somebody shared on Twitter a link to the process. It's kind of like trying to get tickets to the Field of Dreams game up in uh, I always forget that Dyersville, yeah. Iowa. There's an actual application process. So my guess is tickets are going to be very, very expensive. For as much as I enjoy this topic, because I do like the football games on occasion played at baseball stadiums, uh, I can't sit still. Uh, I, I'm ready to dive into this Brian Ferentz story. I, I've got to get into this. Right. Um, and I am usually not, not that I don't enjoy our show, of course, but Corey, Corey carries the show. Let's, let's be honest here. He's the Iowa football expert. I'm just along for the ride just to provide my, my two cents and insight from time to time. But, and I, and I'm guessing everybody that's watching us can't wait for us to discuss this. So can I go on a bit of a rant here? Because I have yet to address this. You go ahead. <clears throat> 
Okay, so we basically have the framework of a $900,000 per year contract that was reduced to eight fifty, dollars uh, with the incentives of what could cap out, I believe, at $112,000 for a bonus if Iowa's team scores 25 points per game, averages 25 points per game in this next uh, season, and seven wins are achieved. Correct. Okay. Now I right. just want to preface this by saying I have not looked, I have not looked at the actual contract yet. Just haven't had time to do that. So I'm assuming the uh, designated performance objectives that were included in that press release from the university those are the two main ones that they uh, mentioned. But the implication was that there might have been more from what. But again, I am, I'm sure a lot of people have read the contract. I have not, and I'm certainly not a lawyer, so it might not be as easy to read as. Some might think, but yes, those are the two main objectives, seven wins. And that includes a bowl game. All right. That includes a bowl game. And that includes, uh, yes. So they can go six and six and win a bowl game. Oh, this is even better. Maybe <laughs> or worse, depending on and your then, perspective. And then 25 points per game. Correct. And that's total. Listen, that's points per game. That's not offensive points per game. Exactly. You're, you're stealing some of my thunder. This is, I don't know why this is getting me worked up because I'm not an Iowa fan and I've got no investment in them winning or losing football games. But I just, I guess part of me feels for the fan base, feels for you, and feels for a great, great football program and tradition and a fan base that is loyal to a fault Okay, this is the absurdity for me, and I don't know that I'm going to cover any ground that's not already been covered, but since it is our show and my channel, I guess I'll take off on this and because I haven't taken the time to do it yet. Okay, 25 points per game. First of all, that would have ranked, as you well know, tied for 85th in the country last season, tied with Arkansas State. So you are, in my mind, a bonus is achieved by someone who is doing Good work, if not exceptional work, should they receive a bonus, okay? Otherwise, they're just simply doing their job, either just meeting the expectations of the job or they are far below the expectations of the job, especially for an individual who for six years has been underachieving. So he gets his salary slashed by... 6%, whatever the the number is, something in that range, 5 or 6%. And then he has this very achievable goal that is pedestrian, that that is going to be achieved by 70-some percent of the teams in the country, first and foremost. Point number two, we also know that Iowa is going to play three non-conference games, one against Iowa State that typically fields a you know, a, a first-rate defense, especially recently. So, so that's understandable. But outside of that, they're going to have two games to cushion, which they should be able to cushion. They haven't in recent years, but be able to cushion that points per game total that I would have made a goal. And I don't know that it would have been set at twenty-five points per game, but I would have made that a goal in Big Ten games. Uh, let's also understand that this defense unlike any other defense in the country and i on occasion believe that georgia has a better defense alabama and other teams may have a better defense on occasion but this one scores more consistently than any defense in the country year after year after year and again i checked it tied for the nation's lead in points produced last year and that's going to be credited to brian ferentz that's ridiculous. This should be all about offensive points generated. I went through last season, <clears throat> and we will know what happened last season, starting with the opener. In the opener, classic Iowa performance here. They win 7-3. to three. They don't win with a touchdown. Of course, they the defense scored two safeties. They kick a field goal off a five-yard drive. So the offense should be given zero credit for scoring anything in that game. The Iowa State game, if I recall this correctly, they lost 10 to 7. They score the touchdown when the defense returns an interception like inside the five yard line. I don't believe it was. No, I think you're wrong on that. I, I think it was maybe 20 yard line. Okay. They knocked but, up, but, I believe, two, two runs, two, okay. literally two runs that were both good gains. I believe it was 15 to 20 yards somewhere in there into the red zone. Yep. Okay. 
Uh, the Nevada 27 to nothing against Nevada. That's actually an indictment against the offense as well, because Nevada was one of the worst teams in the country. You should score 50 points against them. The Rutgers game, classic Iowa performance here. 27 points on the board, two touchdowns by the defense on two returns. They score the, more than 50% of the points. Illinois, they they lose nine to six. You know, that poor defense walking off the field, holding a really good offense with a capable quarterback and the nation's leading rusher to three field goals, and they got to suffer a loss for that. The Ohio State game, to for, for it to be on the record for that defense to have, quote-unquote, given up 54 points is an absurdity and an atrocity that they should have that on their record because we all know that they held what's most likely the best offense in the country in check for the the meaningful portion of that game. And again, the Iowa touchdown was scored on a pick six. No, it was CJ Stroud. Pardon me? Was it a pick six? I thought it was no, a no, no, no. That's right. It was a sack, <laughs> strip, fumble. Yeah, that's yeah, right. So a defense-generated touchdown. Yeah. Okay, we finally get to, based on my recollection, a string of games where the offense was functional. Northwestern, 33 points. Purdue, when Caleb Johnson ran for 200 yards. Uh, Wisconsin, a 24-point effort that, of course, the the defense had a hand in all of this in regards yeah, to well, field yeah, position. Well, we, we do need to just I, – I, you're stopping other places. We do need to stop at Wisconsin. And, by the way, the Purdue game, you, you remember that game? It was a windy game. I remember Ohio State struggled mightily uh, in – I believe it was Evanston that weekend. Yeah. Because um, because of, of the weather, that's not taking anything away from what Caleb Johnson did. That Purdue defense, even Don Patterson, that Purdue defense was as bad as he's ever seen it. The secondary looked like they didn't want to want to be on the field. Uh, I mean, you and I could have attempted more tackles than that Purdue second. I mean, I'm serious, and I was at that game. It was bad, but Iowa did score. You can't take that away from them. The Wisconsin game, no, 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 no. The Wisconsin game, um, Cooper DeGene, um had. Let's see, he had a return. Was it a punt return or a kick return? One of the two. Yeah. It took them inside the 20. And then they had a, an interception that took them inside the 20. So, so um, I, I want to confirm that because we're talking about it. Uh, I remember those now. Go ahead yeah. and go on with your rant. Let me, I'm going to confirm this. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the Minnesota game on the road. Uh, Minnesota had the ball in the red zone. The last two possessions in the Iowa defense remarkably turns the ball over and hands it to the offense, and they win 13, put up 13 points, 13 to 10. Uh, the Nebraska game, of course, Spencer Petras knocked out of the game. That was another woeful offensive effort, not just in scoring only 17 points against an atrocious Nebraska defense, but also in the fact that the 17 points were scored at a time of desperation. And then classic Iowa Bowl performance. And when I say classic, that is a shot at the offense, but that is also a compliment to the defense and the special teams when I say that. Who else wins a game 21 to nothing where the defense scores two touchdowns? It's just this. I went in a rant about this during our USC show last night. That was similar to what I just did. I pulled out the schedule. Nobody wanted to hear about it. I got complaints from the USC crowd. Talk about USC. We don't want to hear about this. But I just went off. I went through the schedule and said, this is absurd. Like nobody, this doesn't happen anywhere else. Let me just give you real quickly, because it's worse than I thought. The Iowa-Wisconsin game back in uh, early, what, early November. The, 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 you want to hear the Iowa's uh, offensive drives in that game? Second quarter. Two plays, 17 yards for a touchdown. Also second quarter, Cooper DeGene scores a 32-yard pick six. So that was actually just defensive points there. Fourth quarter, five plays, 18 yards for a touchdown. So they actually had a defensive touchdown and then two touchdowns that were set up inside the 20-yard line. That's exact. So it was actually worse than I thought. And then they had a 44 yard Drew Stevens field goal on a 27 yard drive. Now, part of me would want to say if this was another team that Iowa's defensive explosiveness or their ability to produce turnovers and points almost hurts the offense's opportunity to show that they can move the ball because they're taking possessions away from them, setting them up at the 15 or 20. But Iowa's offense, obviously, in all the other possessions shows itself to be inept. So 
The defense has to make those kind of plays. Yeah, they more frequently blow good field position, Mark, than just cash it in and lose out on potential yardage. I would like to know how many touchdown drives Iowa had of over 50 yards this season, especially in the Big Ten. That's a great question. I mean, we're going to have, I'm going to have a number of months before the start of the season to, to dive into some of these analytics even further um, because – as bad as it is and as bad, like this whole situation here, uh, what what transpired last week with Kirk Ferentz's news conference on the first, what transpired yesterday, th- this is what it comes down to. And I produced a video on this subject yesterday and my reaction to the announcement. But let me kind of take a, a broader look at the whole situation. My broader scope, my broader evaluation is this. It's, it's simply this. It is a darn shame that nobody's held accountable. It's a darn shame that there's no oversight, that certain people can just do whatever they want, Mark. They can do whatever they want. Kirk can do whatever he wants. Gary Barda can do whatever he wants. There's no consequences. I mean, we, we've gotten, we've got, we're so far beyond, you know, a year ago when you and I had conversations about, well, they need to do this, this, and this, time's running out, you, you know, that this is unacceptable. No, it's ridiculous. It's not unacceptable. It's ridiculous. But th- I'm telling you this right now, Mark. One of the- last year at this time, you and I were were not we were not calling for Brian Ferentz to be fired. A lot of people were, and certainly I was not advocating for Brian Ferentz to be promoted as QB's coach. See, that was the beginning of a quick beginning to a quick end in my mind of the Brian Fen- Ferentz tenure, and. That was death by sword if you're Kirk to to even do that at that point. There were ways that I think you could have helped Brian and kept him in that. But I mean, imagine if you again, I know I've talked about this so many times and I'm sure people get tired of me complaining about it and bringing it up. But Randy Hedberg, I brought him up how many times on this show? He's the he's the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach in North Dakota State. Had they just brought him in, he wanted the he was interested in the job, Mark. And he's making like a quarter of what Brian's making at Iowa. So he, you're telling me he couldn't, have, he wouldn't have come here for pennies on the dollar. He would have. All right, <laughs> he would have wanted the opportunity. At, reason to believe it. He's got family in the area. All right. Had they brought him in, he could have been a passing game coordinator. Brian could have retained the offensive coordinator title. He could have coordinated the run game. He wouldn't have had to coach a position that he has no idea about, and that's quarterbacks. And I, I think you ha- you're setting yourself up for potential success there. And regardless of what happens with Brian, whether he inherits the head coaching job someday or not, you're telling me that's not going to ultimately help his career? If, if, if Randy Hedberg comes in, whether he's coordinating the entire passing attack or not, if that offense looks somewhat viable, somewhat uh, dangerous, that is going to help Brian's resume simply because he was the OC during that time period. What did Iowa do? They said no to Randy Hedberg, never even interviewed the guy, and instead said, we're going to promote Brian to a position that he doesn't qualify to coach. And for the people out there, like Gary Barta last week, who said, well, to the people who say Brian's not qualified, oh, it's such a ridiculous comment. Barta cited the fact that Brian played at Iowa and the fact that he grew up here. Those were the two requirements that apparently made him qualified to be the offensive coordinator. And so we're not even talking about like the track record of Brian Ferentz. We're not talking about what he's done over the past five to six years. We're reverting back to when he was hired here. And Bart is defending that. He's not even looking at the track record and what's happened on the field over the last, well, especially the last two years. Um, It's an entirely, the whole situation is absurd. It's pathetic. It's ridiculous. It's sad. I feel bad for the people who have season tickets on Saturdays because here's the deal. For the people who say, well, just stop buying season tickets. Mark, you and I talked about this last week. It's not that simple. Football is an event. People are emotionally connected to it. They're financially connected. I mean, this is a literally a massive part of September through November for Iowa fans across the state. There's tons of Hawkeye fans in Illinois and Nebraska. They come up here from, from all parts of the Midwest for Iowa football. It's not just so simple just to say, well, I'm going to stop going to games. It is a lifestyle here. It's a livelihood. Whether you think that's people are too involved in it or not, it's just how it is. So 
You're asking a lot for people to just stop buying tickets. And ultimately it does. It comes down to the big money people. I've said that so many times. But when you when you hear these performance objectives like 25 points per game or how about the seven wins that includes a potential bowl game? And when you get to that, that tells me something very simply, Mark. This tells me that Iowa donors, the big money donors, up until now, maybe they'll change tomorrow or maybe they're changing now. But up until now, they are okay with that standard. They're fine with it. They appreciate seven to nine wins. And for you out there, you the fan that that looks at Iowa and, and is tired of hearing us complaining and, and you know defends Iowa by saying, well, we could always be Nebraska, appreciate what you want. The grass isn't always greener. The donors agree with you. Congratulations. They agree with you. Because if they didn't, there'd be no way that year after year, Gary Barta, Kirk Ferentz, and Brian Ferentz would be able to, would be allowed to enable this offense and, and the standards and the standards that now you've put in writing. Like we've always known that the bar is seven to nine wins. And for the people who say, well, they get to 10 wins all the time, Corey, they just got 10 wins last year. They also had four wins in 2012. They had what, six wins in was it 2006. There are outliers either way. Okay. And you're right. They've had probably a couple more 10 win seasons than five to six win seasons. But Look, I, I, that is the standard here. If you like it, great. If you don't, I don't know what to tell you. Because unless the masses stop going to games, which won't happen, or the big money money donors uh, start valuing championships and something better than seven to nine wins a year, you ain't going to get no change. That's just That's just how it is. And I want to be clear about something because I believe I can speak for you, but if I can't, certainly jump in. Uh, but speaking for myself, that doesn't mean when you have high expectations and you want to compete for championships, like if you, if you have a seven and five year that heads need to roll and you need to run off on a tangent and fire everyone and all of that, that just means that that's not what you want. That's not the goal. That's not satisfactory. You can still take it with some reason and say, okay, that's not what we want, but we can move on from here. And, you know, not everyone's going to lose their jobs. Um, Yeah, the seven win requirement tied into the bonus, I think, is even more of an indictment against the program and the expectations than the 25 points per game. Because this is how I interpret this. Okay. Seven and five is winning 58% of your games. That's good enough. Winning 58% of your games. And then if we move that into the Big Ten, we're looking at a program that regularly beats its rival Iowa State. What was the win streak? Seven or eight games, something like that. And over the course of recent history, I would guess it's a 75, 25, 80, 20 series. So you win that game most of the time, and that's the most difficult non-conference game. The other two are basically layups that are won 95% of the time. Therefore, that's most times going to be, most seasons going to be a 3-0 and non-conference slate. Therefore, you're holding yourself to the standard of going 4-5 and in the Big Ten. Yes. That's the standard. And, and by the way, I saw... The apologists will all, they'll do anything, Mark. They will do anything. They'll go to the grave with Kirk. It doesn't matter what he does. And some of those people are in the media, Mark. We won't get into that. But they, there's there's nothing he can do that will cause the apologists to halt their loyalty to Kirk Ferentz and the dimension that is the, well, dichotomy, the delusional situation at Iowa. But I'm just telling you that right now, the bottom line is the situation at Iowa, if you compare it to any other situation in the country, and you can look at most of the offenses that we're just looking at total offense, we're maybe 120th or worse. Most of those programs made big changes, whether we're talking about the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the programs that didn't were like UMass. I mean, it's it's. It's very cut and dry. There is no way around. There's no reasoning around this. I've had people in the past 24 hours bring up the fact that, yes, I was 55 and three, Mark, when they when they score 24. And I don't know when that how far they Kirk brought that up in his press conference last week. They're 55 and three 
when they score 24 or more. So the idea here is you set a seven-game minimum requirement here, but that has to be paired with 25 points per game. So if that happens, if you get to 25 points per game, you're going to win probably with this schedule, Mark. <laughs> They're gonna That's win the other part in all these games. So I guess it, it is odd that, that that the minimum game requirement was even mentioned. Why even why even do that? Why even list seven games in part of there's no reason for that. First of all, it's a stupid requirement because it's well below what people think should be a goal anyways, right? I mean, most people are look at that and laugh. Now again, apparently the big money people don't, but most people look at that number and laugh. I don't know why they couldn't have just said 25 points per game. It should have been higher than that. But Kirk just touted how they're 55 and 3 when they score 24 or more. So I, I don't understand why you even throw in the seven win thing. It just further, it's just another example of Gary Barta not understanding PR and not understanding Iowa fans. I mean, I mean, it's just a very time and time and time again. And believe me, Mark, I, I I'm no longer afraid to say this. Not, not that I was ever afraid to say it, but I think when you're evaluating an AD, you know, you have to look at more than just how he's managing the football program, right? He's got a, a job where he's oversight, you know, he's got oversight of a lot of programs here. And Gary Bart has done a nice job hiring some good coaches. Fran McCaffrey's one. Rick Heller, the baseball program, is another. I- I'm ready for Gary Barta to go. I think he's done more more bad than good. And again, nothing against him as a person. I don't know Gary Barta as a person. But I mean, how many lawsuits do you have to to uh, deal with? How many PR disasters do you have to deal with? I mean, how many buyouts, how many payments do you have to? I mean, it's just over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm just sick of it. And I think a lot of people are sick of it. And it doesn't matter what we're sick of. <laughs> you know, again, I go to bed. You know, the only person that can really put a wedge or drive a wedge into this, besides the people who are donating money and buying tickets, would be Barbara Wilson, the, the UI president, I would assume. Um, I, I don't know how, you know, I, I doubt the president's going to step in unless there's something morally going on like some scandalous thing, or he's costing the university millions of dollars. And he has done that, right? A lot of that was before Barbara Wilson took over there, right? But until fan, I mean, until there's uproar from the people with that money, what reason does Barbara Wilson have to step in? I mean, you know, it's, it's, I go back to 2020, the, the big 10 presidents and their decision with college football then, and I'm not saying that I think Barbara Wilson was even at Iowa at the time, but I I think it's clear that there are presidents in this conference that don't really care uh, about football, about athletics as much as presidents of other conferences. And I'm not saying that's the case with Barbara Wilson, but again, as long as the dollars are there, as long as the money's there, what reason does she have to change? So the seven wins, yeah, uh, I just think is even a worse indictment about the expectations of the program. Here's a comment that uh, that Kirk made at the news conference that I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, he said, quote, the thing I most focused on would be the points because that is what counts, end quote. Well, first of all, that seems to be contradictory to what he has emphasized in the past that we won 10 games, we won eight games when the offense ineptitude was brought up that he would always point to the win total. So now he's saying that they're focused on points and that's what really counts. Obviously everything you do offensively goes into that. I look back, we've had years like this and it's not much fun. Well, they've had a lot of years like this recently. They've never had had two years like this ever. This is the worst it's ever been. Sure. Sure but it's been in the nineties in terms of offensive ranks fairly consistently here in the last 10 years. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're looking at total offense, yes. To win eight games is no easy trick. When you score 17.8 per game, that's not easy, but I'm optimistic. I think I know the causes as I've covered for our challenges this year. And we've taken steps already in terms of addressing it. Because it don't, <laughs> because they got a quarterback. That's the most positive step that they've taken. Mark, did you watch the whole press conference with Kirk? I did not. 
So Kirk repeatedly brought up personnel. Um, he And this is a quote. This is a direct quote from, from Kirk. We were forced to play guys who weren't yet ready. As he, and he's referring to the O-line. We were forced to play guys that weren't yet ready. So in other words, he's blaming the fact that they didn't have the Jimmys and Joes. And that you know what he said during that press conference last week is perfectly in line with what Brian said prior to the bowl game. And that is Brian did the best with what he had. So he's not responsible for not having better. He's just credited for doing the best with what he had, Mark. (laughs) And so offensive line was brought up. Wide receiver was brought up. Kirk Ferentz brought up Charlie Jones. Is that, that was a big factor in the struggles because he left Keegan Johnson's injury, Brody Brecht's uh, injuries and, and baseball distractions. Um, Yeah. That, that's that's what it is. But just for the record, I want to make this very clear. We've talked about this in the past. I want to make it very clear. Kirk is not at all concerned with total offense at all. Do you remember during the season, during this last season, the Big Ten Network, you know, they would, before the season, they would interview these different coaches and ask them kind of funny, quirky questions, and then they would drop them on social media throughout the season. Do you remember the one that was dropped about with Kirk Ferentz? It was the final comment that was made in this little one-minute segment. And all these coaches were asked about the most meaningless stat in, in football. Hmm. And Kirk said, I'd say total offense. <laughs> he said that. He, this is legitimate. This is before the season. This was recorded before the season started. And Big Ten Network dropped it during the season. He don't care about total offense at all. It's not a matter of it's, it's just only one part of the metric. He don't care about it at all, Mark. Well, do we know what the answer is to the inverse of total offense? It's total defense. If you don't care about total offense ranking, then you shouldn't care about total defense ranking. They're they're joined. So well, the, the total defense ranking means nothing as well? No, I don't think it does to Kirk, Mark. I think what matters to Kirk is that they have more points than the other team. That's what matters to Kirk. That's it. That's it. It doesn't matter how – he was asked about what Brian – was it Scott Doctor? And somebody asked uh, Kirk specifically, what does Brian Ferentz do really well as a coach that you – good question. What does he do really well as a coach? It's a great question. You know, you know what he did? And you know what Kirk – how he responded? You want to guess? <laughs> he know. said – He highlights think, his playbook better than anyone. No, he said, I think Phil and Brian both do a terrific job. So he lumped Brian in with Phil when answering that question. What an insult to Phil Parker. What an insult to Phil Parker. But that's the point. He's not evaluating things from a three units separately standpoint, Mark. He's not. There there is a huge divide of reality between most of us who are looking at football as three units in one and Kirk Ferentz. He's just looking at it. Are we achieving our standard? Seven to nine wins. He's not looking and saying, well, if we had a better offense, we could do better. No, 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 no. As a whole, are we achieving our goals? And the answer to that question, his goals, and, and apparently the people that matter, the answer to that question is yes. I would agree with that approach. If they were winning 11 games and winning Big Ten championships, I'd say, you know what? If they're winning every game 10 to 9 and the defense has to do everything, but they're that good and that's your oh, program. Sure. They're winning national championships. Sure. Absolutely. But they're not. And they're not winning Big Ten championships. And they haven't been close to winning a Big Ten championship in 2015. And they've been to the they've been to the the conference championship game twice, and the conference has had a championship game for eleven years, ten years, mm, two thousand eleven. So it would have been twelve conference 12 championship games. So, and again, not all that's Brian. I'm not saying that's. I'm just saying, sure. you know, somebody brought up during my live show last week that well, and Kirk Ferentz brought it up. <laughs> You'll like this, and I do encourage you. By the way, Mark, when you get a chance, I know you're busy. Go back and watch that full press conference and listen to Gary Barta talk as well. But Kirk brought up the uh, six teams that have eight wins or more since, I think, 2015. And not counting the 2020 year because, of course, it was shortened. Do you know what the six teams are that have eight or more wins since 2015? Well, I don't even know why that's Why is that your evaluator of Brian? But do you want to guess who those six teams are? It's not hard. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. Uh, I've got two more to go. Um, da, 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 da. Well, Oklahoma did not this last year. Um, how about the team we're talking about? Well, sure. I, I know that they're part of the club. 
Okay, so, so the, Iowa, you're missing I'm only missing one. Yeah, the other one's Michigan. Okay. Okay, so those are your six teams. And that was brought up during my live show following the press conference last Wednesday. Those five teams, and not Iowa, those five teams, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Michigan, they have 22 division titles combined. And they, those five teams, as you know, Mark, have the majority of their respective conference titles during that period. They have the majority of the college football playoff appearances during that time period. And they have the majority of the national titles during that period. I just, to, to lump Iowa in with that group was, all, again, there's a reality, there's a divide in our reality, Mark. The standards are different. So when you get frustrated and you get, you know, you go on a rant like I do, that, that's fine. But we're not dealing in the same stratosphere. We're dealing in a totally different dimension of what reality is and what it isn't. And Kirk is interpreting one thing, the opposite of how other people interpret it. He's interpreting, oh, Iowa's in this group, but all these schools, that must be really good, right? We're, we're, we're in the same case. Who else can say that? Nobody else can say that. We're with some of the most elite teams in the country, whereas we look at it and say, how can you possibly compare yourselves to those five teams? It's because that's- he's lowered it to the lowest common denominator, and that, that's where the baseline is that he can find, or whomever came up with that statistic, can find that commonality when, in fact, we all know that we could name 15 other programs that have been more successful during that time. They just had one year where they dipped below that, but otherwise have succeeded far beyond that. And it does go back to the difference of how fans interpret success. Would you rather eight straight years of eight to eight, you know seven to nine wins with an occasional ten win season, or or Mark, would you rather eight wins, eight wins, five wins, college football playoff, eight wins, seven wins, four wins, playoff, championship, Big Ten championship, conference championship? I guess that's up for interpretation. I would rather be able to raise the ceiling on the program with the risk that potentially we have to go down and suffer for a year, two, or even three. I know people rip on Nebraska, and you've got Cole's Super Chat up here on the screen. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Here's what I, here's what I respect about Nebraska. It's program and it's fan base. They are not satisfied with being average. They're not sad because believe me, yes, I know they haven't been average over the past five to six years. They were better than average under Bo Pelini and they wanted to be great and they're suffering as a result. They took a chance. It did not work out. They've had two coaches through there that have both squandered opportunities to elevate that program back to what it was in the nineties. And now you got a former NFL guy that's doing well in the portal and doing well in the recruiting cycle. Perhaps he'll bring them back. They have suffered as a result, but I admire the fact that they were not satisfied with being good or even better than good. They wanted to achieve greatness. And sometimes that does backfire. It backfired with Iowa when they got rid of Tom Davis back in the 90s. And I think some of those fans that are scared of this situation, they not only think about Nebraska, they think of basketball in the 90s. And I understand that to a great extent. But this is a a separate, this is a very unique situation given the dynamic with Brian Ferentz it's Kirk Ferentz's son. The fact that this is football, it's not basketball. We have three separate head coaches on one football team. Well, you got four head coaches, right? Three of which are occupying a, a specific unit, overseeing a specific unit. And, you know, they're really, I, I, I don't really see any, any way you can possibly excuse it using logic. You can excuse it using emotion and fear, you know, fear of, you know, ruining your Saturdays more often than not, as opposed to what you said last week. At least with seven to nine wins, we're guaranteed to have seven to nine happy Saturdays during the year. But again, uh, I don't think you can really defend this using actual logic. I'm only aware of the performance goals as a team for bonuses of two other programs in the conference. And the the goals are that have to be met to 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 receive a bonus is beat your rival, win the Big Ten championship, win a national championship. Now, the only other team goal that I, I I could see 10 wins. If you're at Iowa, Wisconsin, and it's difficult to win conference championships, it is extremely difficult. I don't want to dismiss that in any way. If you want to make 10 wins, you know, this is what, you know, 
is, is a lofty goal. I, I think that that's reasonable and it's also um, not a stretch for those type of programs. If Iowa wants to stay in a certain level of the Big Ten, which is going to be even more difficult when those two teams from Los Angeles start playing. And, that, and here's the deal. Last year, around this time, well, at this point, we'd, we'd started to give up hope, I think. But last year, around this time, we said they need to go get a quarterback in the portal. And a lot of the people who watch our show, Mark, this very show, watched it a year ago. Some of you do not. I'd be curious to know what percentage of our 187 people who are on right now watched our show a year ago at this time. Because you remember, Mark, we had to stop talking about it because people got annoyed with me bringing it up over and over and over again. Well, Mark, we watched 2022 play out. And what did Iowa do as soon as the season was over? They ran to the portal to get a quarterback. One year late. And here's the problem. Here's my prediction. They are going to do the same thing this year. We're all calling for Brian, for a change at offensive coordinator. And frankly, I don't know that it should stop at offensive coordinator. I mean, I'm not convinced that Kelton Copeland deserves to to keep his job. I'm not convinced George Barnett deserves to keep his job. That's all. That's all up for debate. But I've we've been calling for for staff changes, as have a lot of people. And just like a year ago, there are going to be people who say, "No, that's that doesn't make any sense. You don't do that." Blah 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 blah. Let's just see. In a year from now, Mark, we're still doing this show. All right. You, you know, you, you, uh, you're, you're a millionaire because of your channel taking off and, and I'm still su- here suffering because of Iowa football and its offensive ineptitude. You watch a year from now, Mark, Iowa will, I'm guessing there will be a change next year, whether that means something happens with Kirk, Brian finally gets a job in the NFL or they have to get rid of Brian. And I'm going to say at that time in February of next year, as USC and UCLA make their trek up towards the Midwest, I'm going to say, well, we missed our opportunity. We missed our window again. We're a year late, just like we were with the quarterback with the portal quarterback issue. I, I just it's just funny because as we're talking, I do I do feel kind of deja vu to last year because you remember we talked about the people who said how foolish it was to go to the portal at quarterback. What a dumb idea! Ruin your chemistry, make guys leave. Why would you? Why would any quarterback want to stick around if you're, you know, flirting with guys in the portal? And yet we just Iowa just went out and got Cade McNamara. Where are those people now? So, anyways, I, I'm just saying I, I don't think uh, I don't think our track record, you and I's on this show, Mark, is to just cry over spilled milk. Well, maybe we do that a little bit, but without basis and without sound reasoning, because it played out this past year with a major issue at quarterback, and I unfortunately I see it playing out with a major issue at offensive coordinator. I think the fear of a lot of Iowa fans who want Brian Ferentz gone now, Mark, is that contract was set, that the bar was set so low and the schedule is so poor that it's, and, and the defense is so good and, and Drew Stevens is so good and Tory Taylor is so good that they can achieve 25 points per game without that much difficulty. And they're absolutely going to win. I mean, can you imagine them not winning seven games next year? I don't <laughs> yeah. see it. I think we both put up 10. I may have said nine when we looked at the schedule. So my point is, I think a lot of fans fear, hey, we're going to be in the same position we were this year where we're going to do enough. We're going to do too much to where our ceiling stays where our ceiling is. And we we can't make a change because we won too many games. And in this case, we finally have a metric to evaluate Brian on, which is a faulty metric, points per game and wins. And he reaches both of those metrics, even though they're both average at best metrics. And as you know, because you're somewhat alluding to it, um, a successful 2023 that let's say is a nine and three or 10 and two season could really be fool's gold with Luke Fickle developing a better program at Wisconsin, Matt Rule at Nebraska, USC and UCLA coming on board. And if any one of us had to predict how Iowa is going to fare against USC and UCLA, let's say in the next 10 meetings. And I don't know what the the structure of that uh, format is going to look like in regards to the conference, but if it it's going to fall in place with what uh, the ACC did, for example, and what Kevin Warren has indicated it's going to be without divisions, most likely Iowa's going to receive three uh, 
common opponents, and those would be Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, you would think. Uh, so they're safe there. And then they would play USC and UCLA 50% of the time. They would play them half the time. Uh, so in the next 10 years, they'll play each one five times. And out of those 10 games, boy, if things don't change, you know, maybe three and seven. All I have to say, Mark, is you hit the nail on the head. And we keep talking about USC and UCLA joining, but you hit the nail on the head. There are five good reasons to have made the change now. Nebraska, Wisconsin, and not any particular order. Nebraska, Wisconsin, USC, UCLA, and divisions. And we're also assuming that Purdue is going to be down. I mean, they just won the division this past year. Now, they lost a lot. They lost their head coach. They lost their quarterback, lost their best receiver. I get it. We're assuming they stay down. But as we've been saying week after week, what happens in a year from now when Luke Fickle, and I have trust that Luke Fickle will get it done there. I think you do too. When he's got them rolling faster than anybody thought was possible because of the transfer portal. And who knows if if Matt Rule will get it done in Nebraska. But I would not be shocked if he does. I mean, and then you make a change in 2023, 2024, as you're heading into a very uncertain time period. Um, I had somebody who is somewhat connected to Iowa football make a comment to me the other day, uh, and it's just a, a, a speculative thing. But uh, they mentioned, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Kirk walks away after 2023. Mm. Because, I mean, he, you know he hates NIL. You know he hates the transfer portal. Um, especially if Brian fails this year again. Um, you're heading into a, a more competitive, difficult conference with with – you mentioned those teams and the divisions changing. I know he's got a contract at the end of 2029, but I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked either if if he said, I think I'm going to hang it up. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, the question is what happens with Phil Parker? What happens with LeVar Woods? And by the way, final thing I want to say on this subject, uh, Mark, and then if there's anything else we want to conclude with, you you go ahead and take it on, take the lead. But, how would you feel? And I know they're friends. I Obviously, LeVar Woods feels very indebted to Kirk Ferentz. There's no doubting that. I'm sure Phil Parker feels the same way. He's very close friends with Kirk Ferentz. But at some point, like, wouldn't this eventually wear on you, get old? As the assistant coach who's coaching your tail off and you're seeing unbelievable results nationally, wouldn't at some point you want national success? And wouldn't at some point you think, gosh, I love you, Kirk, but you're killing us, man. You are killing us. We, I mean, we, me and if I'm Lavar, I'm thinking me and Phil are we're <laughs> two of the best in our respective units in the country, and you're just sitting here, you know, uh, doubling, tripling, quadrupling down on Brian. I, wouldn't you at some point get fed up with that, regardless of your friendship and your relationship with the head coach? I'm guessing that they're not doing it for the level of recognition that some people would, but I know. And you know the amount of people that I talk to that are writers and have other, um, you know, outlets within the sport across the nation. And those people that are really, really in tune with what's going on and who's performing and who's not in other locations. And I'm talking about people that cover other conferences know how good Iowa is on defense and special teams. But for the not even average fan, for pretty educated fans that watch a lot of college football, but they're in another part of the country. Iowa doesn't get anywhere near the credit for the defensive and special teams performance that this program puts on the field year after year after year because of eight and four. And that's who Iowa is. They go eight and four and they go to a decent bowl game. And that's the perception across the country. And it's largely true. It's not always true, of course. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say, Mark. It's, it's, we're, I, I don't want to make, uh, certainly we're going to do hard. You, you talked about discussing Phil Parker and LeVar Woods and really breaking down the, the numbers and what yeah, they've done. I look forward to that. I don't want every show from here on out to be the Brian Ferentz uh, special, but, uh, it will be interesting to see next season, Mark. How does Iowa treat end-of-game situations? Are they more aggressive to be able to pad stats? Right? If you're yeah. taking... Oh, do they take... Well, 
Do they take a knee down the? Do they take a knee down in the red zone when they're up ten, or do they kick a field goal? <laughs> you know, this is those are interesting questions that will be yes. fascinating when they play out. And I, I, like I said, I just feel bad for there are so many things bigger than football in life, Mark. So we'll we'll all you know this is just a. a uh, minor inconvenience that you know of our routines and our recreation but i do feel bad for the players that that, that uh, especially the defensive players but even the offensive players who i believe deserve better and uh, maybe even some of the coaches that they're not going to say anything they're not going to go anywhere because they're in a, a really advantageous position here but deserve better team success i, I feel sorry for them and that's all i'll say Folks, we uh, always promise to read and respond to all these super chats. So, Cole, thank you so much for that. That uh, This obviously plays into what Corey just uh, was talking about. Let's say Iowa is 6-6 six and six and averaging 24.5 points per game against Nebraska, uh, meaning during the Nebraska game, going into the game, they're averaging that many points. They score last second, and a two-point conversion would put his average over 25. Does he go for two? Yes. <laughs> Those types of of situations. Steven, thank you so much for the contribution. We appreciate it. Brian is staying until Kirk is not period. Take it from me. If Jay Paterno could be quarterback coach for 80,000 years, Brian can be offensive coordinator forever. And we also have a super chat coming in. Let's see from Erica, Erica, good to see you. And again, Erica, keep in mind that the great Oreo cookie challenge is coming soon. That's all I'm going to say. Mark? Eric, can, I know can, that. Can you explain that, please? It's, it's coming soon. Mean? What does it mean? Erica, I'd like to say <laughs> goodbye to Gary, Brian, Kirk at this point. This is a middle finger to the entire fan base. Erica, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. And uh, let's see if I can find the other one. We've got uh, Eisman57. Thank you so much for the contribution. Oh, boy. I, I'm going to read this uh, first before I read it out loud. I love Mark, but his Shadenfrude grin is irksome. It's the same gleeful grin he had when Caden bolted for Bama. I'm 98% kidding, but the other 2%, grr. Okay. Uh, I take no joy in this. Uh one of <laughs> One of the things that I enjoy about analyzing football and sports in general are statistics, trends, those sorts of things. And this one just fascinates me. That's, that's why I produced a video during the season looking at the anomaly that the that is the Iowa offense versus the Iowa defense and how long this has been going on. And basically, and I rarely do that with any team, but uh, I'm just a bit fascinated by the whole situation. Mark is somebody brought and not to change the subject here. Did, first of all, did you did you grin when Caden Proctor flipped to Alabama? Absolutely not. I actually made a comment to our contributor, Alabama contributor, our guy Stephen M. Smith, the other day. I said uh, when, when I had him run through the early enrollees and he started uh, pontificating about Caden Proctor, I said, you know what, you could have given up uh, one Caden Proctor. You know, with with all the five stars that roll into Bama, you know, they they really miss him in Iowa. Absolutely not. King Brock, I, I certainly you. hope Eisman's really kidding because I, I take no joy in uh, Iowa's issues. Caden Proctor uh, getting a new OC down at Alabama, Tommy Reese. Yes. Uh, so it uh, be interesting to see there. Um, who was it? Was it, uh, boy, somebody brought, and I, now I blanked out on what I was, what I was going to say here, Mark. Um, anyways, go on. Well, I will just remind everyone that we're here every Tuesday at 4.30 Central Time. And, uh, of course, lock in on From the Hawkeye at the Storm over on Corey's channel for Iowa football and basketball coverage. We know where we are on the calendar in February. February frenzy with March Madness coming soon. So lock in for Iowa basketball coverage. And, of course, there's football news from time to time pretty consistently considering the transfer portal and recruiting. So keep it locked in there. And of course uh, we're over on our main channel. So keep me in mind as well. Iowa fans don't forget about me that I cover all these other teams. And so if you want football news, I'm right here. Mark, I just want to say I did have a discussion with the one and the only Don Patterson 
we are going to be having him uh, during a special edition of Hawkeye Hangout the coming days, potentially Saturday, potentially the day before the Super Bowl. So definitely uh, keep your ears tuned to uh, announcements. Of course, follow me on Twitter. or You can uh, check out the, the YouTube channel. But uh, we're going to have a kind of a season wrap-up show with, with Don, and, and I'll be anxious to get his take on all of us. I had a long conversation with Don last night. And um, I look forward to our show. Wait, so you're not going to say anything about this Oreo? Co- what? What, <laughs> what gonna- I am going to say is that I hope Don knows that he is always welcome here, that I have great respect for him, of course, and he is always welcome here. We need to get him back on here. He's only been on this show, I think, once. Yeah. So I'll uh, I'll have to mention that. I think we had him on last spring. So, uh, by the way, uh, Oreo cookies, great cookies, by the way. But um, they don't sponsor my channel, so I can't really talk about it at length uh, about Oreos. Are they your newest sponsor, Mark? Is that why you're... No, nobody is sponsoring us here at the Voice of College Football right now. I, 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 I constantly... It's like every other day I hear about they may sponsor, they may sponsor. I already have, always have somebody in my ear talking about uh, maybe I got a potential sponsor for you, but they're, they're not showing up. You're putting out so much content, you don't have time for, for the marketing side of things. But uh, real quickly, before we go, Mark, uh, I can't have or I'm trying to kind of cut back on some junk food. So I'm kind of cutting out stuff like Oreos. Are you doing the same thing? I am doing my best. Oh. Although I, I did. People aren't going to. I know that you're aware of this, but and this is I'm not proud of this, but this is, you know, being transparent here. I picked up a. Uh, a full bag of Oreos. And I mean like a party size bag of Oreos. And it was gone in two days. Nobody else had any, yeah, just me. And yeah. I did the same thing a couple days later with chips Ahoy. Uh, so yeah. I need to either, I need to clear it completely out of the house. They were gone. And you had the whole thing of Oreos in two party days. size, two days. Absolutely. Less than oh two days. That's, yeah. that, that is incredible. I've I never sit down and eat 50 life. cookies. <laughs> on a regular basis yeah sorry that's that is insane all right that that is crazy mark <laughs> i've never heard of anything like that listen i have three of those and i feel like i'm about to have a heart attack three okay. yes yeah, there's a lot of calories in those i'm usually more in the 15 to 20 range like 50 is wow. not on a regular basis 15 to 20 oreo in so sitting i was just say what are you doing for the super bowl then double stuff is preferred i don't know i don't know what i'm i I don't have any plans okay so you're not Uh, having a watch party on here you're not having a uh, we might have a watch party uh we'll probably take calls afterwards and lolly q i appreciate it i i could stand to lose 10 yeah i'm 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 thin i've hey i was at the doctor a couple months ago and he ran i had him do all the blood work i'm in perfect health yeah, I'm I mean, very I blessed. I, yeah, well, but I'm I'm with you though. There, there are improvements that you could make. Oh, yes, by means of certain habits, <laughs> especially when it's cold. I can't speak to the temperature there, but man, when it's just it's hard to do anything. Yes, so Erica, there are certain things that I do extremely well and are really good about, and other things that I'm horrible about. The eating horrible sugar. Cake, donuts, ice cream. I bought two half gallons of ice cream the last two nights. I ate one half gallon one night. I ate the other half gallon the other night. There you go. See, that's just awful. Wow. Uh, but on the other hand, I drink a ton of water. And um, my my workout regimen has suffered greatly like in the last six months. But now I'm back on it. And like the last 10 days, I've been in the gym every day for 10 consecutive days, at least 10 consecutive. Can we talk about your your sleep schedule? Uh, I am, I tried to make it a point once football season was over that I want to get up at eight o'clock in the morning. Therefore I want to go to bed at roughly one in the morning. I've not accomplished that yet, but I do believe that there's a reason why God brings the sun up at a certain time and makes it set. And I've never, I've, I've always been a late night guy. Well, we've, the daylight savings time is a separate issue. Obviously that was not, uh, that was humans wanting to uh, change our clocks. I think you know. To I know there's a reason behind it, but uh, I don't think we ever were supposed to have darkness at four thirty. No, no. I, I understand. You go to Alaska, you have parts of the year that are dark almost all day, every day. 
but I'm with you, Mark. The 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 sleep that now you're only accounting that's only seven hours of sleep a night, and, and seven hours it would not be enough for me. And I'm not saying I get seven hours on average, but I, I if, if I'm going to be fully rested, I need at least nine. Oh, see, I set that as a high bar. I'm yeah, usually I don't know more in the five to six range. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. I see and, you up in, in years ago. I used to be much less than that. Uh, but, um, yeah, my, the way I function and like to live my life, I'd like to go to bed at three or four in the morning and then get up at like eight or nine, but that's not good. That's not healthy. You're like Don, you're like Don Patterson. He, he, he's run on four to five hours of sleep, like his whole life. So anyways, and you know, thankfully we've only lost about 50 viewers during the last (laughs) five minutes. So anyways. Well, I will remind everyone that the great Oreo challenge is coming up soon. Can't wait. Mark. I'm just going to hammer away at that. Erica, Sunday, tell will, everyone, you know, I will be cheating Sunday as it relates to eating stuff. You got to cheat on Super Bowl day. Um, so absolutely. Uh, yeah. I'll be eating some of my Iowa smokehouse jerky and uh, probably have a pie and maybe some cookies and maybe some ice cream. Mark, we'll just nice. We'll use our Sundays, our cheat day. All I've eaten today, though, are a string of oranges and two salads. That's what I've eaten. But no, I did have uh, scrambled eggs and bacon this morning. Yes. Well, you're, you're, wow, you must be rolling in the dough from this channel. You're buying eggs. Aren't eggs like five bucks a dozen now? Oh, I eat three eggs every morning, scrambled eggs wow. and, and four strips of bacon. That's pretty but much the my state. The price of eggs has affected you then. And bacon. The prices have affected, up. yes. And no, I'm not rolling in the money from from these channels. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, you're buying eggs. <laughs> that's that's the plan. That's the vision that someday yeah. they will. All right. Well, I appreciate the time as always, Mark. And thank uh, you, Corey. You know, re- regardless, if Brian's here. Brian's not here. You and I will be here every week. Absolutely. Uh, but most likely, it is going to be you, me, and Brian here. Absolutely for the duration. All right, everyone, we appreciate you being here. We had uh, about uh, topped out around 215 on board. So we do this every week, everyone. And of course, Corey at, uh, from the Hawkeye of the Storm. So we'll see everybody back here next Tuesday, 530 Eastern, 430 Central. 